Adventures of Us. The podcast about everything, nothing, and all the in-between. So, Matt. Yeah. What's up? Um, I started school again. Yes. I did. And it's at a different campus than last semester. And I was feeling kind of sketch about it last week. Because as of recording, I'm on week two of the new semester. Yes. But week one, my class started at 530, ended at like 830. So it's mm-hmm. a long class. I'm only there once a week. Um, but when I got out, it was dark. And the bus stop for the route home is on one of the busiest roads in our area. Our area. Oh, so sorry about that. No, it's all right. Hey, by the way, food's been picked up. Yay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's on one of the busiest roads in the area. And unlike last uh, semester where I was very much away from tr- foot traffic, away from traffic traffic because they came on to actual campus our public transit system came on to actual campus to pick you up yes this campus they don't no you're like across you have to like cross the street and like all sorts of weirdness yes i uh used to be picked up from an orbital campus directly to our speed rail system and then from there pretty much within a block of my house yeah uh now it's i'm standing on one of the busiest roads in our area waiting for the bus that will take like 15 20 minutes to drive to that same uh speed rail system to get back to my home so i was feeling really uncomfortable there in the uh dark next to the busy road standing alone so I called Bobby. Actually, no. Bobby called me. Yes. I called you about something totally different to do with Amazon. Yes. And because the her... moment you answered, it literally sounded like you were in tears. Yeah. Because I, I very much get choked up when I am emotional. I hadn't been actually physically. I feel like that happens when you're anxious yeah. a lot. I hadn't been physically crying yet, but when... My emotions do act up, whether it be anxiety or fear or sadness. My voice, there's a very distinct sound to me being sad. And Bobby picked up on that immediately, realized that I was anxious. And out of the goodness of her heart, offered to come and pick me up. And on, my her, on her day off, she didn't have to leave the house, but she <laughs> felt heard that I was anxious. And so she came to my rescue and she gave me very good advice. So I bought a stun gun. She said either get pepper spray or a stun gun. I recommended pepper spray, but I also said maybe think twice about the pepper spray because for those of you that don't know, teaching moment, um, pepper spray, when you spray it in an outside location, if you are standing downwind from your attacker, you will get blowback. So you will more than likely get your attacker, but you also get yourself. So it's it's one of those things where like pepper spray is good if it's like super close combat and you are also not getting the wind blown in your face. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up out of the two to getting a stun gun, mm-hmm. which... I've mentioned this to you like three times already. 
Stun guns are named weird because the taser with the two. We actually probably shouldn't talk about it. Ah. Thinking about it, if you think about it, because YouTube. Oh, right. We'll cut that then. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I bought. I didn't think of that till just now. I bought something to keep me safer, despite the fact that I was feeling incredibly anxious. And now I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling a lot less anxious about standing on the busiest road in our area in the dark, alone, in the cold. Yeah. Once a week. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm feeling much safer now. And Bobby, would you like to tell everybody what we're talking about I today? I haven't even said how I'm doing. Oh, how are you Rude. doing? <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Sorry. Rude. I, I, I am a shame and embarrassment on my household. <laughs> I have failed you as a friend. How has your week been? It's been pretty good. Um, my uh, my Sunday was thrown off real bad. Um, so I normally work Thursday through Monday. Yes. So I start my week on Thursdays and I finish my week on Mondays. And that sounds really weird, but my weekend is typically Monday, Tuesday, or Tuesday, Wednesdays. Yeah. And um, this week... Somebody who I work with, my coworker, she tore her ACL and uh, um, her hours were uh, drastically affected because she had surgery and she needed recovery time and all this. And um, she texted me and was like, hey, can I have your Monday? And I was like, sure, as long as as long as management approves. Yeah, because she needed the hours in order to kind of make up for the time that she was. Yeah, she needed to be there. And so I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure. Have my Monday. I don't care. And, um, lo and behold, I got a three day weekend. And so my Sunday, which is usually my Thursday, not my Friday, uh, suddenly became my Friday. And I was like, what in the world is going on today? Um, cause my brain just kind of like <laughs> shut down halfway through my shift. And I was like, Oh, this is not a good reaction to life, the universe and everything. No. Um, but, and then you normally have Monday, Tuesdays off. I do normally have Monday, Tuesdays off. My So mon- we got to hang out Monday, Tuesday for the first time in a really long time. This is true. This is true. Yesterday, we made ginger snaps with your grandmother's recipe. Yes. And those are delicious. Yes. Um, my grandma, who recently passed away last year, um, we she, like a staple of her house, was always <laughs> peanut butter cookies and ginger snap cookies. And while I love her peanut butter cookies, I... Adore her ginger snaps. Adore her ginger snaps. I absolutely love them. And um, due to some family stuff that happened during the family gathering celebrating my grandparents' life, um, I wasn't able to spend a whole lot of time there. And um, a lot of my family was like, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. And I was like, "Mm, no, I don't. I don't really. The one thing you regret. Um, The one thing that made me sad was that I didn't get to have some of grandma's cookies um, because we made a lot of like grandma's staple recipes um and then had them there at the family gathering um and I didn't get to have any of grandma's cookies um and when we were making them yesterday I said like my biggest regret isn't being able to um be there with my family celebrating my grandparents it's the fact that like I wasn't able to make certain memories with my grandparents right like I wasn't able to make memories of like making ginger snap cookies with grandma yeah. and I would have loved that um on that note my mom her dad used to run 
a restaurant. He had a little mom and pop burger shop. Mm -hmm. And so he has been a cook his entire life. Mm -hmm. He's getting up there in age now. He's getting close to passing. Mm -hmm. And so my mom and her sister have been spending a lot more time with my maternal grandparents. Just having him teach them all of these recipes. See, and like... um one of the things that my mother did for all the grandkids was give us all a flash drive, which mine is actually over here. It's this little green one right there. Oh, nice. Um, and it has um, <laughs> recordings of my grandmother playing um, the piano, which my, my grandmother was a very accomplished pianist. Yeah. Um, and it has... Um, a couple other things and it has her recipes. So we, and like, this is going to sound terrible because a lot of people are like, ew. Um, but it has her split pea soup, which that's the ew. Lots of people don't like split pea soup, soup, uh, soup, soup, what? Soup, soup. <laughs> I don't know. Um, a lot of people don't like it. I'm so sorry. I'm having problems with my chair all of a sudden. I'm having problems with your doll. <laughs> I know. He's trying <laughs> to get cozy. He is trying. Tuggy, duck, nuggy. You gotta be nice. Are you good? Um, I'm apparently having a stroke because I can't say words right. Tuggy. What? Please don't have a stroke. <laughs> I'm trying not to. Please don't. I don't have the required medical expertise <laughs> to save you. No, it's fine. If you die, it wouldn't be your, your fault. It would be on me. I can't live with that guilt, Bobby. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> no. Um, but so like uh, it has her split pea soup. It has her... Um, her peanut butter cookies, yeah. her, um, we have a Christmas tradition called cranberry salad, um, which sounds like a Mormon typical jello salad, which it's definitely not. No. Um, we still have cranberry salad out in the freezer. Damn. I just realized that. Do we still have pumpkin pie in the freezer? No, that was in the fridge. I threw that out. That's fair. Um, <laughs> Um, but like cranberry salad, her ginger snaps. And so I was like, I need to make some ginger snaps. Yeah. Just for grandma. And so we made ginger snaps and it has been where we live snowing for the past couple of days. So we just watched snowfall and ate ginger snaps and had just the most adorable little winter afternoon. It was a wonderful thing <laughs> to just like sit there and eat those warm cookies and look outside and it was not be upset about it. Yeah. Um, we've been hanging out this weekend. We were going to discuss New Year's resolutions. That did not happen. We ran out of spoons. We, um, yes. I had a lot of just kind of anxiety and effort that I was like, I can't put this into this episode. So we switched things up. I'm sorry. We're not going to be talking about um, New Year's resolutions. Instead, we are going to be talking about our top 10 favorite movies yes and we are going to be doing this in no particular order no particular order the ordering is going to be kind of hard to follow because we're combining some and only talking about some individually the rest of them are lumped together i almost said conglomerated but <laughs> um so basically right what we're term. gonna do is um matt didn't really have an order to his top 10 list and no. I did and some of us uh, well some of us <laughs> some of them were 
the same on our lists or we're in the same series. Yes. And um, so we're just going to kind of. our first two and then later down the line. That was yeah. One. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about it. Um, since yours comes first in the series, Ooh. why don't you talk about yeah. yours? The first series that we both had on our top 10 list was uh, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. And say what you will about the follow-up Hobbit trilogy, but he knocked it out of the park with Lord of the Rings. He did. (laughs) I absolutely love Lord of the Rings. It is such a wonderful, um, such a wonderful series. Oh, absolutely. The love and care and craftsmanship from the directing and cinematography the cast the crew the costumes oh yeah the sets it's just there's a reason that those films swept at the oscars oh yeah well and like (laughs) um the just the effort that he went into like going to a cricket game and having the i don't know do you know about this no i don't um so this is specifically for two for the two Um, towers really in the Orokai army. Yes. He went to a cricket game. Oh, And yes. he had the crowd stomp their feet and yell for him for the recording of the Orokai army. Right. Because they could have just layered multiple... Uh, Voices just like had like 10 people do it over and over and over again and made it sound like a ton of people. But he was like, ah, no, I'm going to a cricket game yeah. and we're going to do this the right way. <laughs> the fun thing about uh, Peter Jackson, he's been fighting. He was fighting for years to get those films made. Um, initially, he went to... My package just arrived. I'm going to go check the porch. <laughs> That's That has to be what that ding was. Okay. I will be back. I have a story about... Uh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Okay. So we were talking about Lord of the oh, hold on. <laughs> You got to sit down. <laughs> okay. We were talking about Lord of the Rings and okay. I had a quick story to tell you regarding uh the orc leader in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You know the oh, okay. yeah, yeah, big yeah, yeah, tall yeah, white yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Peter Jackson spent years trying to get Lord of the Rings made. Yeah. Back in 1996, uh, Miramax, which was owned by Harvey Weinstein, they were going to be the production company for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, that fell through mostly because Ma- Weinstein wanted Peter Jackson to condense the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy the whole trilogy, down into two films. He wanted the Fellowship and the first half of the Two Towers in one film, and then the second half of Two Towers and Return of the King in the second film. It's three books, Yeah, though. Peter Jackson didn't budge on it. Harvey Weinstein, in return, threatened to replace Peter Jackson with director Quentin Tarantino. 
Okay. So, logically, Peter Jackson took the project, left Miramax, went to New Line Cinema, who yeah. agreed to produce the film as three films. Because it's three books. Because it's three books. Okay. Here is where Harvey Weinstein comes back in. Peter Jackson was irked at the way Weinstein treated him in the 90s while he was trying to get the trilogy produced. So the orc leader in the Lord of the Rings trilogy is specifically designed to be modeled after Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... I think the easiest way to do this is chronologically. So I want to share my thoughts on fellowship and then you, you realize can I already said that, right? Oh, right, yeah. Okay, go. We can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so fellowship of the ring. Um, I really like the first part of it just because it sets up the rest of the okay. trilogy so well. I feel like the tension built between the wraiths and the hobbits yes um from the shire up to rivendell it's just easily one of my favorite sequences because it just keeps building and building and building and the characters are so flawlessly introduced and all of the acting is just beautiful and then the second third of the film is just fun fantasy nonsense of the fellowship going from Rivendell up through Moria. Yeah. And then the last third of the film from Moria through to the end is where Jackson starts building his major themes throughout the trilogy of hope and despair, which obviously were uh, present in Tolkien's original work. Yes. But after the death of Gandalf. Fly, you fools. The rest of the fellowship are at just, they're completely lost without Gandalf. Mm -hmm. And you can see that in the way every single actor gives their performance. Oh, yeah. I would, I personally... <clears throat> Um, I know a lot of people say that Sam is their favorite and he yes. is definitely one of mine. I don't like Frodo. I don't like him at no? all. No, he is not my favorite character. He will never be my favorite character. Um, and I would say that yes, Aragorn is a great character and Legolas is very pretty, but out of everyone, the one who has the most character development is definitely Sam. Yeah. And, um, when Gandalf dies sam very much tries to step into gandalf's shoes of let me be your support yeah and he tries his hardest and he gets angry and he gives up and he wants to th throw a fit and he does yep he definitely does in return of the king he <clears throat> leaves he does but he comes back he does. and my all-time favorite line of the three movies is when um sam and Frodo are leaving Gondor and um, Frodo Sam says something about how um, how they'll write so how they'll write stories and and sing songs about Frodo yeah and Frodo 
turns to him and goes, but what about Sam? Sam White's the brave. Yeah. Frodo wouldn't have gotten very far, far without, without Sam. Sam. Yep. And that is, without a <laughs> doubt, one of my favorite moments. It's such a and cute moment. And it's such moment. a cute line. And, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Sam. Sam's such a, Sam's such a big, like, boob. But he's not. The fun part, I think, about that scene, about Samwise the Brave, he was just as surprised about that line as everyone else was. Because, like, he doesn't see himself as some grand hero. He sees himself as... I'm, I'm just, just a gardener. I'm a gardener trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I'm I'm just hanging out with my best friend who I garden for. And um my boss decided to take a road trip and I came along. And a wizard blackmailed me into going along. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> but you have to admit that Sam definitely tries to step into the role that Gandalf played of the support, yeah. not just the guidance for no. Um, I'm sorry. I'm having sweatshirt issues. You're fine. Um, and I don't have a front pocket on this sweatshirt. Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, he couldn't be yeah. that that uh, guidance because he didn't have the experience. Well, he he didn't have the knowledge, but he definitely tried to be the support. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I chose fellowship as opposed to any of the other ones, is I really just like... What's the beginning? Yeah, it's everything's set into motion. Yeah. And done so well and so cleanly that it's just, you're ready for the rest of the story. Yes. Like, with film franchises or series or trilogies in general, like what we were discussing with Avatar... Yes. The first film is generally... It can be a standalone. Exactly. I I definitely feel that in the case of Lord of the Rings... Right. It's, since we're talking about Lord of the Rings, yeah. I would say that Two Towers can be a standalone and Return of the King can be a standalone. Right. Um, yes, you need prior knowledge to get the whole picture, but... You can watch it and it still makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Whereas I feel like with Avatar, The Way of Water, you, you had to at least have a vague understanding <laughs> of what happened in the first movie right. in order to understand the setup for the second. And I feel like... And they, yeah, they do offer flashbacks, but just because they offer those flashbacks doesn't mean jack shit. Those flashbacks are not to introduce no. an audience, a novel audience, into concepts that they will need. The flashbacks in Avatar The Way of Water are meant to be used as setup for things Future. that are introduced in Avatar The Way of Water. Yeah. Yeah. So that is why I like, I like Fellowship the best. So... Two Towers is one of my favorites, and I will stand firm by that. Return of the King is beautiful. Um, I love everything about it. The Oliphants, the end. Um, I love the the battle setup for it, but, and I don't really like Fellowship. Fellowship is just not my favorite. I'll right. watch it. Um, when I'm doing a binge marathon yes. of Lord of the Rings. But if you were to ask me, what have I seen the most of? Two Towers. 
um, because the despair that you were talking about, yeah, it has it all. It has just this beautiful lead up to this moment of ultimate despair, which is my favorite part of the movie when um, Theoden and Aragorn are trapped in the inner keep and Theoden turns to him and is like, I actually have it up. Um, he says, so much death. What can men do to stand against such reckless time, such reckless hate? And Aragorn says, ride out with me, ride out and meet it. And Theoden kind of has this moment where he's like, okay, let's do it. And he responds with, uh, Theoden says, the horns, uh, the horn of Hammerhand shall sound in the deep one last time. Let this be the hour when we draw our swords together. Fell deeds awake, now for wrath, now for ruin, and the red dawn. Have a quick question. Yes. Was that written by Jackson or Tolkien? That's a good question. I don't honestly know. It has the grandeur. It has the almost biblical sincerity and... Uh, tone of Tolkien's writing. It does. So I just, I want to make sure that whoever wrote that line gets the gets, credit. I honestly do not know. I just know that quote because I've watched that scene a right. thousand times because every time he says it, um, because you, and like saying it out loud isn't as good as watching it get delivered in the movie. And oh, no. that is without a doubt one of my favorite fucking moments because you literally watch this as these men are pushed into the inner keep of this castle and their utter despair at being lost. Well, they have the the women and children are stuck yep. in the caves. Um, there's no way out. There's no way for reinforcements to come. There's no way for reinforcements to come. And um, Gimli points out, that it's almost dawn. So they've and been Aragorn, fighting all night. They were they've been exhausted. fighting all night. They were exhausted. And Aragorn looks up and he remembers that Gandalf is coming. And this whole time, like, you'd think, keep it in the back of your mind, Gandalf's coming, reinforcements will come, reinforcements will come on the fifth day, on the morning of the fifth day. Look to the east and he will be there. Five days is a long time to forget that reinforcements are coming. But they didn't battle for five days. They no. only battled for the one night. Yeah, they traveled, though, for four days yes and and Aragorn fell off a cliff and all that happened and yeah they're taking the hobbits to Isengard and all that <laughs> um <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot to make Gandalf the white's wisdom slip your mind oh yeah and the fact that Theoden is just so ready to be done he's like just give up I'm done I'm done yeah. I'm tired there's no point men will not win we will not. And then they have that moment of realization that Gandalf is on his way. And whether or not it's just Gandalf by himself, <laughs> or, Gandalf is on the way. Yeah. And why should, we lay, why should we take this laying down? We should stand up and fight. Yeah. And that is why that one scene is why I love the two, the two towers. towers so much more that and the battle scene for two towers the battle of helm's deep is 
utterly gorgeous. That is something that I was thinking about while you were talking about them being exhausted and having fought for the whole night. You feel that watching it because the it's raining, the battle it's cold, and it's a bunch of old men and really young boys. Yep. Like there is no real the writers of Rohan were sent away. They were banished they by Grimma Wormtongue. Or at least Theoden under the control of Wormtongue. Yes. And that's who uh Gandalf was going to go and fetch was all of the The Riders of Rohan. Riders, yeah. Yes. And so all of the men, all of the infantry were gone. So what you were stuck with was what was the line? Um these soldiers have seen too few winters or too many. Yes. By Legolas. Yes. Um, I think, if you don't mind me popping into Two Towers a little bit, my favorite part of that film is at the end, after all of this hardship, after uh, the Ents have been fighting at Isengard and Frodo and Sam are nearly captured by the... Uh, what, what's it called? The king of the, the leader of the ring wraiths. Oh, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Um, I don't remember his name, but I don't remember. His anyway, name he's flying around on the Nazgul. And. Uh, Frodo turns to Sam in this moment of despair. And he's like, I can't keep doing this. And. Then Sam has this beautiful speech about the great stories, the ones that were that really stayed with you because they were full of darkness. That's that and moment danger. of um, that's that moment that I yeah. That's when they're walking through the forest. Yes, right before then, he gives this gorgeous speech about it's only a passing thing, the shadow, and when the sun shines out, it'll shine out the clearer. Yeah, there's good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. Oh, yes. I love that speech. (laughs) I wish I could uh, remember it verbatim, but... Do you want me to try and look it up really quick? No, no. Even if I could remember it, the delivery is so powerful there. That, um, I can't remember (laughs) that actor's name for the life of me. Who plays Sam? Yes. He is such (laughs) a wonderful actor. The whole film is just beautifully... Okay, Um, Um, now that we've kind of blurged on (laughs) Lord of the the Rings, Um, before we get into the next one, a quick note regarding our opinion of J.K. Rowling. Where Matt is going with this is um, mutually our favorite movie is... Uh, one of our favorite movies is um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, now, saying that that's one of our favorite movies is perfectly fine. Saying that we do not support J.K. Rowling in her opinions of um, human rights right. is also very true. We don't. We don't support her in any way, shape, or form. We do not condone her actions or words or treatment of Oppressed minority groups. No. Um, We were talking about it a little bit earlier. And I will stand by this statement of 
um, that trans rights are human rights. And anybody who opposes them or who has opinions on human rights or anything like that is a dictator. And so therefore, by dictating how people express themselves, how people live their lives, how people dress, how people feel being a dictator, you need to go live in a black and a black and white world because that's what you want. So go move to the moon and it'll be fine um, <laughs> because that's a black and white world. And you can live in a space where those opinions can be those opinions, right. not valid, but can exist. Right. Existence doesn't mean validity. No. Um, however, if you hate the fact that we happen to like Harry Potter and happen to really love Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, um, the door is over there. We understand that she has a lot to answer for and that... The thing is, is that she's not the only person responsible for or a part of the creation of that motion picture. No, she's not. Alfonso Chiron directed. Oh, yes. And... Well, and supporting actors is perfectly fine. And those actors have all said themselves that they don't support the validity of her statements. Correct. So I just... It's hard when there are people who do not respect other people or groups attached to a product that you love. Yes. Because personally, I love Prisoner of Azkaban. I think it's a well shot. It's a very different film from the first two films. I think Chris Columbus definitely went more with a lighter, more... uh, childlike wonder for the first two Harry Potter films. Well, that's definitely what they're supposed to be. And I will forever and always say that four isn't the beginning of the war. It's three. Three is what pushes those kids into into the war. Right. And they now have to face the fact that they are not only facing this very elusive person, but his actions and their actions now have consequences oh, beyond yes. the confines of the halls of Hogwarts. Hermione. Hermione, her arc in the books regarding the uh, care of other people who are downtrodden by society starts with the mistreatment of Buckbeak. Because she doesn't start fighting for house elves until book four. But she starts fighting for Buckbeak Buckbeak in book three. Well, and you also have to think, um, she turned in the firebolt. Yep. Which is something I'm really sad that they didn't include in the movie. Because it provided such interesting conflict between the characters. But she's the one that let Sirius out. Yes. Yes, Harry flew them up to the tower on Buckbeak, but... She gets him out. She's the one that lets him out. Hermione is just such a cool character. And Emma Watson did so... Did a beautiful job of portraying her. You know, one of my favorite uh, sequences, that Buckbeak escape, easily one of my favorite parts of that film. And part of it is also the music. Yes. John Williams was at the top of his game. When he did the music for Prisoner of Azkaban. I think A Window to the Past, which is the theme that 
is used whenever Harry is talking to either Sirius or Remus. That that musical motif is easily my favorite in the entire Harry Potter discography. Uh, I didn't discography. realize it was called A Window to the Past. Oh, yeah. And had I known that, that would have made our conversation earlier made so much more sense. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, last we were uh, talking earlier about Sirius Black and Remus Lupin. And I asked you who you felt was a better father figure for Harry. So this was the conversation that we had earlier. And now knowing that both of the... the the sound for a window to the past. Um, that makes so much sense. And it's such a good point for me, um, for the, for my answer to that, which is neither, neither of them are a good father figure. Neither of them were a good father figure because Remus, um, being a werewolf was never, ever loved, never, ever included. Except with the Marauders. Except with, with the Marauders. And so here comes this miniature James, and all he wants is to get back those golden years of love and of friends and being included and feeling human. And it's the same thing with Sirius Black. With Sirius. But Sirius wants it in the fact that he wants his best friend back. Yeah. He doesn't want to relive the glory days. He wants to continue He just wants living. James back. Yeah. He wants to continue living the glory days with James. Not reliving them, but continue living yeah that the idea that that song is titled a window to the past really contextualizes oh yeah all of the conversations because every single one of those people remus harry and sirius they're all thinking about someone person who is gone james and alfonso chiron who directed that film just did so well with Theming it about the whole film is basically time. It's oh, yeah. time that is gone, time what is ahead, how you can't Using, really go back. Yeah, how you can't really go back because everything's set in stone, but you can live the same moment over and over. Yeah. And a lot of that also shows up in his cinematography. A lot of the exterior shots are focused on the clock tower rather than or the seasons the great hall yeah the passage of time it's the clock tower and uh the whomping willow and the seasons that the whomping willow goes through exactly oh my goodness okay okay um, sorry about that we had some camera issues so we had to stop for a moment um i we record off my iphone and um my iphone ran out of storage space so oh. for those watching on youtube and just saw the last like 20, 30 minutes of just black screen. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, we were talking, though, about time and how we it were. plays such a part in the yeah. Harry Potter role. Um, yeah. I would say that we've talked most about that, so yeah. we should move on. Next one. Um, we have a category. We've got four it's, films we're going to cover, and it's the sort of... Animated, childish ones. We're talking about... Um, Mulan, Zootopia, Encanto, and Prince of Egypt. Hell yeah. Would you like to start us off with... Mulan? Mulan, yeah. Um, the animated Mulan is my favorite, my personal favorite um, princess, Disney princess movie. No, 
lives. My personal favorite. Um, I absolutely love Mulan because while Beauty and the Beast is very much about empowerment, yeah, um, Mulan is very much about who gives a shit if you're a woman, <laughs> go fucking do it anyways. Go kill the hunts. Yeah. Um, my grandparents actually gave me the Blu-ray that is in the the binder. The one that I have. Yeah. Cool. They gave that to me for my birthday once. It's a good film, Mulan. Which is really funny because my grandparents hated animated films. So the fact that they bought that for my birthday says so much about my grandparents. But yes. Fun fact about Mulan. She's the only animated Disney princess with a kill count. Exactly. (laughs) Scary woman. (laughs) And it's not even like a low kill count. It's in the thousands. Yeah, it is. She murdered all the hunts. Yeah, she did. Hello. Tucker, what are you doing, Nugget? Go on. Go. Go on. Get down. Thank you. Um, my mic had an issue. My support oh. <laughs> were falling off. So sorry about the rattling with my mic, if that was a thing. It's okay. Um, anything else you want to add about Mulan? No. Cool. That's literally like uh, the whole reason why my, my Mulan is my favorite freaking Disney movie is because um, yeah. who cares if you're a woman? Go fucking do it anyways. Um, on my list, I had Zootopia, which... Fun animated film, awesome character design. Kind of hard to watch because, you know, it came out in 2016 and is a cop film. And what can you do about gestures broadly? It's a hard world we live Mm. in right now. It complicates things. But that story is very much about doing the right thing regardless of circumstances and regardless of what others see of you. So that's why it's on my list uh your next one was in Conto. yes and no it is not because we don't talk about bruno that is a bop of the song it is a wonderful song um (laughs) my the reason Encanto is on there is because um generational trauma yes generational trauma (laughs) um and i think that it is such a good message about the fact that, like, adults can make mistakes. Oh, yeah. And they can put too much pressure on their kids. Mm-hmm. And they can have too high of expectations. And they can compare. Yeah. Because we're all human. And I love that there are two messages to Encanto. The first one is your extrinsic worth does not change your internal intrinsic worth as a human being. That's what Mirabelle is learning. Yes. But through that, she teaches the rest of the family that ultimately, regardless of our strengths, we all have weaknesses. We all have ways that we mess up. And that's okay so long as we... Embrace your humanity. Yeah, which just gorgeous lesson to be teaching right now especially oh yeah where we live in a society where we are constantly either comparing ourselves or being compared to others and we are living in a world where yeah some of us don't have we've talked about it before yeah it's in comparison you always fail Comparison is the thief of joy, to quote Emily Dickinson. You said that last time, too. Yes, I did. I'm repeating myself. 
Yes. Um, so last one in the animation category is... Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt. Which is yours. Which is just my all-time favorite animated film, period, full stop. Just gorgeous movie, and everyone in that film is just so great, and... Hans Zimmer does so great with the score, and mm-hmm. Stephen Schwartz does so good with the musical numbers. I love, love. There are voice actors. There, well, the, not voice actors. There are actors that do the voices in there that I'm still to this day like, wait, 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 wait. I already knew this, but really, they're in this. Uh, like Ralph Fiennes, who yes. voices Ramesses. Sir Patrick and- Stewart, who is uh, their father. Pharaoh. Yeah, Pharaoh, and freaking Val Kilmer. Who voices, oh, Val Kilmer is the most notable voice for God, but apparently the entire vocal cast recorded God's lines and they layered it over each other. Yes, which is when uh, Moses talks to the burning bush. Yes. Okay, Tucker, I love you. You need to get down. Sorry, my dog is being needy. Sorry. No, it's fine. I just could not stand having him on my lap anymore because he was like going crazy. Yeah. Know the feeling. Let me put my head over here and let me do this and let me do that and let me do this. Okay. Um, Yeah. I just, I love the Prince of Egypt. It's so well. It's beautifully animated for as old as it is. Oh yeah. There was just something going on with DreamWorks 2D animation when they did. uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes, and Prince of Egypt and Road to El Dorado. Yes. And then they just, after Shrek came out, they went. Well, Shrek was a completely different animation style. Yeah, but then after that, they just went full 3D for the rest of their projects. I wish they'd done more with 2D animation. No, um, because. Wait, no, Sinbad. Sinbad and the Legend of the Seven Seas, that one. Sinbad. They were doing something really cool with their 2D animation, and I wish yeah, they, they were. continued. Uh, me too. That was a very beautiful. Oh, yeah. Very, very beautiful. And the thing about 2D animation is it has a tendency to... That's actually part of the reason why I really love Mulan, because that and Lilo and Stitch are very authentic to both of those regions of where they came from. Yeah. And... Um, Prince I feel like is- Prince of Egypt and uh, Joseph and the Dreamcoat um, and Sinbad were all very much the same way. Oh, yeah. and Where it looked very similar to the region. Road to El Dorado as well. Yes. In both the Spanish and the uh, Aztec influences on. Yeah. It's just so gorgeous, those films. Um, I think that's it, it for... 2D okay. animation. Next category, superheroes, including Deadpool, Iron Man, Batman Under the Red Hood, and Matt Reeves, The Batman. Um, of which three of those are Matt's and mine is Deadpool. <laughs> now, um, Deadpool is a very unique thing. Um, I love the movie. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> it was... The first ever movie that I went by myself. To a theater? To a theater. So, um, I'll be honest, I don't think I've done that yet. I need to do that. In the past, I, 
if I'd ever gone to a movie by myself, it was my mom going, I'm going to go see this movie right. while you're in your movie. And they're both starting at the same time and they end relatively within the same amount of time. So like within 15 minutes of each other. That's So I'd be in the theater, like in the actual viewing room by myself. But, but that's not the same. That's not the same. That's your mom dropping you off in one room and going to another room. Yeah. And that happened only like once. Right. Um, Maybe twice. I think it was only once. Yeah. Um, when they released the extended edition of Avatar in the theater. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Deadpool, um, at the time that they started talking about and releasing trailers for it, I was married and um, to the schmo. And And the schmo didn't want you to go see Deadpool? No, 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 no. He wanted to go with me, but we got divorced. And by the time it released, I was no longer married. And so I had no one to go with. So you went on your own. So I told my mom, I'm going to go see this. And she said, it's rated R for nudity and sex and violence and swearing. And I was like, okay. Mostly nudity and violence and swearing. There's a little, there's a one sequence of sex. It is a montage. Yep. It's a hilarious montage. Oh, yes. (laughs) And um, I was like, well, I'm going to go see it. And my mom was like, okay, I'm not going with you. I won't see that because of her religion. And I'm like, fair fair enough. Okay. Your beliefs. And she said, you can borrow my car and you can go. Yeah. But I will not take you. I will not pay for it. You will go on your own if you go. And you will have to do it by yourself. And so little old me went by myself. And I had a, an empty chair on either side. And then there was two gentlemen. And the gentleman on the left had his, I think, wife or girlfriend. And then the dude on the right had nobody with him. And so it was literally like me in the middle of the theater. Empty seat, empty seat. Dude, dude. And... um. <laughs> The whole time I was laughing. I had the best time. And I was laughing at shit that nobody else was laughing at. And I was like, why is no one else laughing? This is funny. This is hilarious. Yeah. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And that sounds so stupid to say that Deadpool's the experience that I had the best time It was a moment of independence for you. It was definitely a moment of independence of being 20. Yeah. Maybe 21. And... Um, having this experience of like, I get to go to this movie that I want to see by myself and enjoy it by myself, regardless of the fact that I don't have anybody to go with me. Right. Nice. So that's why I like Deadpool. Cool. <laughs> uh, rapid fire for Under the Red Hood and Matt Reeves, the Batman. Um, Under the Red Hood was mostly just because I like the character of Jason Todd and his dynamic with uh, Bruce Wayne. Under the Red Hood is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt Reeves, The Batman. Easily my favorite detective film. Easily my favorite live action Batman. (laughs) I'm not going into details with it because I want you to be able to experience it. So, unfortunately, Bobby wins out. This is not a Batman podcast. It is not a Batman podcast. Okay. So one last one there is. Oh, yes. Iron Man. Iron Man. And I love that one purely because there is one specific theme that just runs through the entirety of the film and at every level of both the plot and the personal character uh, journey. And that is Tony Stark learning to acknowledge his mistakes 
learn from them mm-hmm. and then do his best to fix it. I, it drives me crazy. People who say, oh, Tony Stark is careless. Oh, he's an arrogant prick. Like his entire character. One of my favorite TikToks on the whole entire planet is this dude being like, Tony learns from his mistakes. Yes, Alan Tsai. Tony learns from his mistakes. (laughs) He always learns from his mistakes. Why Um, did he do this? Because Tony learns from his mistakes. Why did he do that? Because Tony learns from his mistakes. And it's literally like, yeah. that is the setup for <laughs> the Tony ent- learning from his mistakes. The entire character <laughs> of Tony Stark is just him learning from his mistakes and being better. Being better and trying to reduce the suffering in the world because Tony Stark, more than I think anybody else in the Avengers, and possibly more than any other hero put to film personally holds himself accountable for all the world's suffering and you know say that's a god complex but the way tony approaches the world is just i have done enough wrong in this world i'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to make up together again yeah which we will get into another character who very much says the same thing. Tries to fix but that's the a later world. on movie. Yep. Next one um, for both of us. Howl's Moving Castle. It, Studio Ghibli is brilliant. Now I will say that Ghibli is the comfort studio. It is. <laughs> I will say that like a lot of people love Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke and. Ponyo and um, my neighbor Totoro. Totoro. Secret um, World of Arietti. <laughs> ah, yes. That is a, not the right thing. My neighbor Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, but I would say that out of all of those, I would say that Howl's is probably one of like the best out of all of oh, them. Yeah. It's such a it, it has such a bizarre story. All of them do. Oh, absolutely. All of them do. Princess Mononoke, I still don't understand, but I love that. It's a very beautiful film. Oh, yeah. Um, But Howells has a very interesting message. It's a very bizarre message, but it's a very interesting message. And that's just like, he let the world corrupt him. Yes. He let the wants of the world corrupt him. And he, he it was only through someone who... Literally was like, well, I'm stuck as an old lady now Um, that he was like, oh, well, I guess I kind of have to give up what the world thinks of me. Right. And Sophie as well, who just was like, she goes through and learns that I think ultimately her lesson there is not only to uh, help Howell get out of his own head mm-hmm. but also get her out of her own head well i don't think that i think um <laughs> sophie was used to being very plain yes and that's that's one thing that you can definitely describe that character as and in the beginning like yeah she's very beautiful she's she is a um she is a simplistic kind of beauty yes um, and that's done specifically by design by design um so that when she becomes an old lady She's not like this ratchet looking woman. Yeah. Um, 
But um, she is she is very simplistic in her beauty. And the more she grows to embrace her physical self, yeah. the younger she gets. I love at the end, though, that her hair never turns back to the color no. of brown. It stays white and it looks gorgeous. Yes, and it looks amazing. I guess in both cases... Their hair changes color. Yeah. And it sticks. Um, For both characters, for Howl and Sophie, yeah. the message is to ultimately be true to... Yourself. Exactly. And it, like, um, the thing about Sophie is that she's been changed into this old lady and it's like, she's, she just doesn't know what to do with herself. Yeah. And so it's that embracing the fact that whether or not she is stuck at this as this person. She can still be Sophie. She can still be Sophie. Whereas Howell has to remember who How Howell to be is. Owl, yeah. yeah. Reza, don't you dare get in that bookcase. Sorry, reprimanding a cat. Um, the next movie is all yours. Empire Strikes Back, which was mostly a comfort movie for me uh, growing up because it was the first of the original trilogy that we actually owned on VHS. Mm-hmm. We didn't have episode four. We had five. We had six. And then as they came out, we got one. We got two. My family never bought three, mostly because of the immolation scene. Mm. <laughs> uh, for the longest time, mom would uh, make fun of me because we had this Care Bears movie on VHS that I was terrified of for reasons I can't even remember. But I was perfectly fine watching Anakin burn. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it. Okay. Um, Empire Strikes Back is interesting, I think, not only because it's a darker film, both visually and aesthetically, it's also a much more muted film. There's not as much vibrant, bright color. It's white, dark brown, more white, pitch black. Yeah. And I I kind of like the muted tones. It makes it easy watching. And I just, I'm so used to it as a movie that that was the movie that I watched after I got my wisdom teeth out is after I got out of swearing like a sailor and (laughs) trying to, yeah, slipping off every car as we drove home. It was, it was a disaster. Um, His poor mother was horrified. We have, I believe, footage of. What started it and what started it was Hamilton. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that that song in Hamilton that I was rapping with my mouth full of gauze was not, did not even have a swear word in it. I just added swear words to it. And then you added fuck and it just went downhill. He like, um, I don't even remember what you were rapping and I don't want to know. We don't want (laughs) to have time to get into it. But you were like, fuck, 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 (laughs) fuck. And it was like just this one clear one. And then all of a sudden it was just like. Crawl, 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 crawl. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, Matt. Yeah. Your mom showed uh, B and I yes. both that. And she's just like, I was absolutely horrified. <laughs> and all the, the F words that came out and we were both sitting there just staring at you like, oh my God, Matthew. <laughs> um, yeah. So Empire Strikes Back. We'll get into Star Wars in depth. Another day. At another day. But right now, I want you to talk to me about Jurassic Park, the first one, and why it's one of your favorite films. Um, 
I have, obviously with ADHD, have a really hard time um, focusing unless I have something kind of going on around me, Um, which sounds weird because if there's too much going on around me, then I'm overstimulated and I can't focus. But if there's not enough going on, you're understimulated and can't focus. And I can't do it. And um, for those of you that don't know, I um, cosplay and it is my wig movie. Whenever you need to style a wig, you put on Jurassic Park. Yes. That's that's fair. <laughs> Why? No idea. What started it? No clue. Um, but at this point in my life, I have styled enough. I've styled wigs enough times that every time I style a wig, whether it's Jurassic it be, Park time. <laughs> whether it be painting it, whether it be actually like styling it, because sometimes I have to add a little bit of spray paint to a wig or if it's gluing it or if it's cutting it or if it's anything, anything at all. I literally have to put on Jurassic Park. Absolutely. <laughs> Cannot watch anything else. I will watch Jurassic Park 1, 2, and 3, and then I'll start over again if I haven't finished the pro- project by that point. But I will always, always default to one. Always. Huh. Sometimes I'll watch it multiple times. Dang. Don't know why. It's just how I've done it. That's fair. And it holds up well. Oh, yes. It's so beautiful. I love that one. My computer is angry at me. It wants me to, like, scoot closer to my camera. Hold I on. can't recognize you. You're yeah. too pretty. I'm too pretty. No, I'm too <laughs> far away. That's the problem. Okay. Um, um, the next, next one. one. Born Identity. Born Identity. Last one for me on this list. Uh, I like it purely because of the story of a man who, after forgetting everything, basically chooses who he is like there's a sequence in the bank where he sees his id he sees his cash and he's like okay this is who i am and then he opens the false bottom of the safety deposit box and there's tons and tons of passports and tons and tons of currency and there is a gun and suddenly this man who does not know who he is realizes i have a bit of a shady past i may not be the best person. So what he does is he takes all of the currency, leaves all of the passports but one, and most importantly, despite the fact that, you know, throughout the rest of the series, he very much goes against this action. I think this action is important. He leaves the gun. He dumps it all in the trash. Yeah. He chooses not to take the gun He takes with the it. box, returns the box. Yeah. And then literally is like, uh, bye. And like walks out with this bag that had been in the trash. It was the trash bag. Yes. And then he throws everything else in the trash and then just, oh my God. It's yeah. so, I love that movie. That he, series is beautiful. Oh it's yeah. It's good, we'll have to talk about that another time too. Oh yeah. I like that moment though, because when he doesn't take that gun, he is choosing actively not to be, not to continue the circle of violence. Exactly, which I think is just a gorgeous character. Moment. Oh yeah, Born Identity is on my top ten list purely for that moment alone. Okay. Um, I actually don't like the second and third films as much as I like the first. Born Ultimatum and Born Supremacy. Yes, I'm not as big a fan of Supremacy and Ultimatum. I did not like Legacy. Jeremy Renner, you are an amazing actor. You did the best you could. Jason Bourne was good, though. I will have to watch that one. I I have it. It is DVD format, so you can watch it at home. 
Cool. Um, but I will say that it was good. It was so good. Now. Um, I like Ultimatum. Ultimatum yeah. is good. It goes a little bit My one problem further. is that they kill the girl from identity in Supremacy. Do they not? Does she come back? I think they kill her in Jason Bourne. Either way, I like the dynamic. There's a different girl, a different, not Bond girl, but Bourne girl in Supremacy and Ultimatum. Yeah. And I just don't like their dynamic as much. I don't like their interaction. Is it Nikki? Is her name Nikki? I can't remember her name. Yeah. Um, I feel like that. I feel... I don't know. Um, I don't know why I associate her as a Nikki, but she's a Nikki to me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I really like that series as a whole. It's a beautiful series. Yeah. B still hasn't finished that. Ah, well, <laughs> B hasn't finished a lot of series. She hasn't, no, she hasn't seen hasn't. Return of the Jedi. Which doesn't really surprise me. No, but it's been two years at this point. They start. She and her boyfriend started the original trilogy two years ago. God, they've been together for forever. B, please watch Return of the Jedi, the theatrical cut, because you know what? Screw the special editions of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh my God, whatever. That's we're not talking I- about it. We're not talking about it. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about the other woman. Yes, which, which is, these last three are all mine. Um, I have the- seen the other woman. I have not seen the last two all the way through. Yes, um, the other woman <laughs> it has Cameron Diaz in it, and um, it's about this girl who meets this guy and finds out he's married. And she's like, I don't do married men. No. That's a literal quote from the movie. Um, she's like, I don't do married men. This is not okay with me. Um, and then the wife finds out that he's been screwing around. And yeah. um, so the wife, oh, what is the actress's name? I don't know. I don't I've got to look this up. It's- Hold on. Um, because if I don't, I'm going to be really mad at myself. Um, because I have her face. So do I. Um, let's see. Leslie Mann. Yes. Um, Leslie Mann is, she plays the wife, Kate. And, um, Cameron Diaz plays, uh, Carly. Yes. And Kate the wife comes and um she meets with Carly meets and with Carly and they basically together with one other woman yeah um, initially uh Carly's trying to help Kate fix her marriage to Mark well not really even that she's like I'm I'm not a part of this nah. I don't want to be a part of it I don't do married men y'all go do whatever you're gonna do without me and then and then Kate weirdly, finds a third woman. Um, weirdly, they form like this bond of friendship and um, just the most bizarre friendship on the whole entire planet. And then they find out there's a third mistress. Yeah. And um, I guess a second mistress, Amber, a third woman. Yeah, a third woman, um, a second mistress. And um, they find Amber. And basically, the whole rest of the movie is is them fucking with this dude. Just them fucking with him. Fucking him and, like, um, getting ready for the divorce from, like, for Kate to leave him. And it becomes just this very wonderful, empowering, the beginning 
absolute silliness. Yeah. The end, empowering yourself as a woman to be independent. And it also doesn't help that they spend a majority of the film just completely deconstructing this dude Mark's embezzlement scheme. That's at the very end. Um, yeah. That's at the very end. Um, but spoilers, Matt. Jesus. No, this movie has been out. This forever, movie came so. out. When did, this, when did the other woman come out? The other woman came out, I want to say in 2014. Okay, see... I didn't discuss the Batman because it came out last year. I am not putting a spoiler warning <laughs> on a um, nine-year-old film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love The Other Woman because it came out um, like a year before my divorce. And um, or actually it came out while I was going through my divorce and got through my divorce. And we talked about previously how I was just in this terrible self-esteem area and that movie helped a lot with making me feel better about the fact that like it's life it happens guys cheat guys don't want you um even if they say they do and they move on yep and so do you and it's a good lesson to learn yes which brings us to our last two films both from bobby those being The Blind Side and her favorite film, Hacksaw Ridge. Um, the Blind Side. Um, let me just say this. Sandra Bullock. Wonderful actress. Absolutely wonderful. Oh, yeah. um, and it's about this kid, Michael Orr, for those of you that don't know about it, who um, gets into football and um, through this uh, lady, Leanne Tui. And it's a true story. Yeah. And um, it is such a good movie about how things that are little, like letting this teenage guy come and live in your house. Um, <laughs> coming and letting him live in your house isn't big for you. No. But it's monumental for him the small acts of kindness may not mean anything to you but they mean everything to them and there's a moment in the movie where um leanne tui is out to lunch with her friends her high society friends yes and um one of her friends turns to leanne and says i think it's impressive what you're doing for this boy you are changing his life and leanne says no no he's changing mine and I absolutely love that movie it is such a phenomenal movie it's such a phenomenal story and um Michael Orr became a professional football player and um, I think he played for the Ravens and um is still very much part of the Tui family and like I cannot believe just what a wonderful message. And that family didn't set out to, like, make it. No. Uh, like, they didn't set out to be, this is what we're doing. We're being charitable. This is our charity case. No. no. They just literally set out to do the right fucking thing. and Like Sam. Yeah, like Sam. To go out and do the right fucking thing. And it became this wonderful, earth-shattering story. And I absolutely love it. And last one, and you are going to get emotional Hacksaw for this Ridge. one. 
Um, I will. I'm already semi-emotional about the about talking about um, the blind side. Blind side. Um, Hacksaw Ridge, which is the true story of Desmond Dawes and his experience at which island? Okinawa. Okinawa. Um, and he's played by Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield, part. which it, he plays him so fabulously. Andrew Garfield does so well in everything. Yes, he does. And he is, he's very beautiful. He he plays this skinny little boy from basically middle of nowhere. Yeah. And he does it fabulously. And um, He does play the scrawny ones really well. Between him and Peter Parker and... Uh, Jonathan Lawson in Tick Tick Boom and what's his name in Under the Banner of Evan? Um, he's not supposed to be like scrawny. No? No. Um, he's supposed to be just kind of an all American Mormon dad. Ah. Which See, I haven't seen Under the Banner. My mom had a family member who was like I haven't seen the last episode, but I know how it ends and basically it, he's like I have all these doubts in the church because of all of this stuff that's going on with this murder mystery that I, yeah. cause he's a detective and he's trying to solve a murder. And he's like, I have all these questions about the church because um, there's problems in the LDS church. If this is what's being taught and this is how people react. And um, the Bishop is like, we'll put it on the shelf. And so he does just that to keep his marriage. And that's literally the end of it. Dang. Yeah. I told you, I, <laughs> I know how it ends, but I haven't seen that last episode. And that's it's right. like, Oh, um, so back to Hacksaw Ridge. Yes. Um, so I have two very favorite moments from Hacksaw Ridge. And um, the first one is when Desmond gets court-martialed um, for being a conscientious objector. Yes. And Which constitutionally you are allowed to do. You are allowed to do. You are to, allowed to, as the movie puts it, run headfirst into the enemy fire without a gun. Yeah. As a conscientious objector, you can do that. That's your decision. Um but um one of the one of the things that Desmond says, he he claims his innocence. He's like cuz the whole reason he gets court-martialed is because he's refusing a command from his commander. Right. Um he's refusing an order from his commander and um he gets court-martialed for it, and he says, I'm innocent. And the reason why is because um, with the world so set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little of it back together again. And before that, he talks about how he has the the will and the drive to be a medic. Right. And I'm always surprised at that scene. Because he could have pled guilty and been dishonorably discharged and not had to deal with it, fight in the war at all. He would have been able to continue his working in medicine and helping other people, but he felt like he needed to stay and make a difference. Yeah, he did. He felt like um, he felt like he couldn't do anything other than fight and he talks about that as well when um when pearl harbor was attacked he said well i i took it personal all of us did yeah. and there were men who were um labeled as medically unfit and they killed themselves in his town Ooh. 
Um, and he said, uh, he also says in that moment, um, I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. And um, my other favorite moment is when he is up on Hacksaw Ridge and they yes. have um, ordered the retreat and he gets kind of stuck up on the ridge. He doesn't really get stuck. He chooses to stay behind to help treat someone. And when he goes to look around, everyone's gone. He's alone. He's alone. Um, and he varnish- varnishes harnesses uh he fashions a harness there we go um he fashions a harness and he starts dragging bodies and alive men over the edge and lowering them to the point where his hands are raw and bleeding and he um it's in the movie and desmond himself said it in an interview um that there was a point where he was saying, God, please let me get just one more. Let me get just one more. And in the movie, you can hear it. And in the interview, Desmond says that he heard someone yelling for a medic. And that is what got him back up and going. And there, they estimate that he saved up to like 120 to 150 people or something like that. Dang. And Desmond says, and it's on record as 70, but there's possibly more. Yes. Um, and Desmond says that it was like only 50. He's like, I can't take credit for that because God let me do it. And that man, good Christian man, I have a hard time supporting religion personally. Right. But those that cling to their religion and will offer their acts of impossibility up to the fact that they had such faith and such desire to uphold the standard that they lived. Regardless of your own personal uh, beliefs, you have to admit that that is... Oh, yeah. That is impressive and that is noble. Oh, yeah. And um, he, he ended up getting almost blown up. Oh, yeah. Um... But he continued in the battle and he saved so many people. I think another favorite moment is um, the captain is walking through the camp and he's like, Who the, where the hell are all these like injured dudes coming from? And they're like, someone's up there on the ridge. Someone's still up there. And they're lowering bodies. And he lowers American soldiers and he lowers Japanese soldiers. Yes. Indiscriminately because... In the eyes of Desmond Dawes. Everyone deserves the chance to be saved. They're all just God's children. They're all lives that need to yeah, be saved. They're all people that need help. And he's the only one that's yeah. up there giving it. And that like that is why that is my favorite movie. Dang. I haven't even seen that film all the way through and I'm getting choked up about it. Oh, it's <laughs> I'll have to show you the clip of the medic moment. Yeah. Because you can just hear it in the background being like, and he's just, God, please let me get one more. And he's just tugging with this rope. And he lays down and he's like, please, 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 just let me get one more. God, just one more. Just one more. And he kind of slowly sits up and he's just sitting there. And you're like, okay, dude, are you going to keep going? Are you going to call it a night? Because you deserve to call it a night. And you hear in the background, medic. And he stands up and he takes off. 
And it's just a beautiful moment. <laughs> well, I guess that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have got nothing else that I would like to add. We've, got, we've covered a lot in this episode. We've also opened up a lot of doors that we're going to be Definitely possibly exploring later on. Yes. Um, now that we have an hour and a half long episode, which is hopefully not going to be really this long in post. Yeah. Here's, um, here's hoping it's going to be shorter going forward. Um, Bobby, would you like to leave us with a quote? Mm. Shit. Under your deck playing cards. We there you do go. That. Yeah. I mean, I already gave you a quote from Desmond. <laughs> well, if we want to have that count. I have no idea. I really have no idea. Um, ooh! We'll do Helena Bonham Carter, because we love her. She's a great actress. She Absolutely. fits the theme of this episode. She does. Perfect is completely overrated. It is absurd. You open these magazines, and the end result is that it can take people... Uh, it can make people feel somewhat inadequate, which is stupid, because that person has been through three hours of makeup, and it, um, and at least I can make people think, yay, it's okay to be catastrophically dressed. Thank you, Helena. <laughs> For real. Um, with that, if you want to uh, find us on social media, the links are going to be in the YouTube description. If you are watching on YouTube and in the show notes everywhere else with that i'm matt and i am bobby and this has been the adventure misadventures of us <laughs>